0: How are we going, mates? Welcome back to The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Have a great show for you this week. We have a huge, huge guest. It is the Texas Rangers manager, Chris Woodward. Woody and I were teammates back in 2010. We've bumped into, into each other here and there, actually in Sydney at one point. We're going to get to that later on. And um, every time he's come to town, I've always said, what's up? One of my favorite teammates of all time. I'm so happy for him. He's in such a good position right now. The Texas Rangers, man, are going big this year. Corey Seeger, Marcus Simeon, they are going to be a team to watch in the AL West against of course, the Seattle Mariners, who are going to be good, too. It's going to be a good division. you got the, uh, the Angels. You've got the Houston Astros. Uh, but before we get to that, make sure you click subscribe. Make sure you tell your mates we have got a massive, massive year and some great guests coming up. Tyler Mastic next week world series champion lefty overcame the yips you know the story got handcuffed by the cops in the parade the whole thing that's coming on next week we can't wait but uh enjoy this episode chris woodward man love this guy i want to hear all about it. what's it like being a big league manager and all the rest of it? how do you get to that point it's going to be a fun show so enjoy this episode grant balfour chris woodward join me right here on the top step
1: No matter what happens, Ryan Rowland-Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Based Based a Hall of, all of fame. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the 1-2 pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. As he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. as 6. Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches it cleared. My goodness.
2: This this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up, he talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight.
1: You'll never say that I'm not killing them. No, Kill killing We
2: are back, mate. Kill, How's your weekend? No, no. Oh mate. Uh, fantastic weekend, actually. Beautiful weather down here. Just enjoying it, mate. I uh, got out on the boat a little bit, actually. It's been a little while. Um nice. since that shoulder surgery. So I kinda had to lay low for a little bit. But um Yeah,
0: how is yeah, that kinda, going? The shoulder I know you don't want to talk about it a whole lot but how because we had yeah. Kelly Bundy on and before we got on with Kelly yeah. you said hey look I don't want to dive into the whole shoulder surgery but how is it going dude
2: oh it's going well mate yeah I, um I think I should be ready for spring training so on a serious note it's uh it's going really well but yeah it's a slow process but um yeah no I was able to I mean I was able to navigate the boat through the uh these these Florida waters, this inner coastal here, so not too bad. No bullies, no bull sharks. Ah, uh, you know, mate, they're everywhere. Just um, you know, try to keep away. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: now listen. Uh, yeah, we've been messing around before we got on here. Before we click record, we have to get yeah. to. it. I mean, because we can, we can definitely chew up some time here. We have a great episode. I couldn't wait to talk to someone who's my one of my ex teammates played a long year, 12 years in the big leagues. Now he's the manager of the Texas Rangers, which is a crazy process in itself. I can't wait to ask Chris Woodward, the manager of the Rangers. He's jumping into that role. It's such an exciting time. You think about it, man. He started 2019. He got the gig. He had the COVID year 2020. He's probably sitting there going, uh, you know, like, can I get on the field here? Like, I'm, I'm ready to roll. And then you yeah. had, you know, 2021, finally a, first, a big a big year. Now he's got the lockout. But once this lockout's over, he's got Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. It's an exciting time. Brand new ballpark. That's an exciting time to be a Texas Ranger, a fan, and, and man, if you're the manager of the team, the guy we're about to have on.
2: Yeah, mate. He's uh, he's obviously you know he's done it all. He's been there and done it all. You look at the resume, and you know we'll probably uh, we'll we'll talk to him about certain topics. But you know this guy was a uh, he actually signed. It's funny he actually signed in '94. When the lockout was it? he was in that June 94 the strike, draft.
0: The strike. When yeah. the
2: strike, sorry, the strike. Yeah, he was a uh, late rounder, but uh, you know just uh, made one of those careers for himself. Uh, great player. I remember playing against him a little bit and facing him. Uh, he's got some great highlights as a player, which we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, and I'm sure he hasn't forgot uh, one that I've got to bring up. And uh just you know, just going from a long major league career to uh into you know the minor league uh coaching there for a little bit, moving on to the different roles in the coaching. And then obviously, like you said, now uh has that job there with the Rangers and uh, an exciting time for the Rangers. Um just yeah, uh, he, spent a lot of money.
0: Yeah, they, they they certainly did. He um he was one of those guys. I was teammates with him for a year that you could totally tell that like th- there's there's a handful of guys that you can totally tell that they're so suited to be a manager or some sort of leadership role. You know what I mean? He was yeah. such, such a good teammate, not just a good dude. Hey, how are you doing? But he was just one of those good teammates and meant a lot to some of the, the younger players. Now he, he's about to jump on here in a second. couple things before we yep. get to it. Uh, I want to give a, a big shout out to uh, my man back home in Australia, Noah Atkins, <clears throat> young next gen, part of the next gen baseball family back in Australia. He listens every night. He loves the show. I think he's. I think he's. Him and his parents are maybe hinting. Hey, when's Grant going to come back and do some coaching? Grant, you're going to get back to Australia, man. We're going to go back there and, mate, and do he, some he, stuff. They
2: knocked down the two week COVID rule. I, I might <laughs> do it. I do mean, not get away for two weeks. I got to spend it in a hotel. No, you're good. Unless I think you can do good. some.
0: You, you've still got your Aussie passport, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. You're good, mate.
0: You can get in. I think you got to maybe some home quarantine. I can't even keep up with the rules right now, man. Oh yeah, back maybe just the
2: home quarantine. Yeah. I'll be doing doing lessons from the backyard then, home
0: quarantine. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so Big Noah, uh, listen, mate, just keep killing it. Enjoy listening to the show. Um, Now, transitioning into the word of the day. Now, I was about Noah's age when I first heard this term. This is one of my favorites, mate, because I do have a couple of good stories about our new word of the day. So the word of the day this week, mate, is smoko.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) What does that uh, mean? Uh, mate, if you're, uh, you know, you're on, on the work, you're kind of a blue collar, you know, bricky's laborer or maybe doing some construction or, or on the site, a few of the boys like, all right, boys, tools down, smoker. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the saying smoker is like a, a smoke break, but um, actually what you're doing is you, you, you're taking a snack or you're taking like a, you know, an early sort of uh, lunch or whatever it might be because you, you get started pretty early in those uh, types of jobs. And um, say so yeah, around about 10 o'clock, having a smoke o break, probably you know, grab a few cream buns or whatever. A <laughs> <laughs> few, few of the boys so- might um, you know, smoke a few cigarettes or whatever on the job. But uh, yeah, just a little break.
0: So, speaking of that, now usually it happens. So, it's a cigarette break. Now, whether, whether or not you smoke it doesn't really matter. But speaking of, yeah. I never forget, I think I, I was about 12 years old, <laughs> whatever I was, went up to go up to Darby's Pies, right? Get, knock off school early, go to Darby's yeah. Pies. They used to be a dollar back in the day. This is on Derby Street, right? Great yeah, yeah. pies. A big shout out to Darby's Pies if they're still in existence. I don't know if they got an online store <laughs> now. I got no idea. But anyway, I rolled in and, and the bloke behind the counter, the little fella behind the counter, He's like, oh, mate, you came in at the right time. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I'm 12 or 13 or 14. I can't remember how old I was. And he's yeah. like, "Um, he goes, yeah, mate, just had smoke about 10 minutes ago. line was out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there
2: thinking yeah. to myself, oh, mate.
0: And I'm like, oh, yeah. And the whole time, I didn't want to say, I didn't want to ask my mates who I was with because I didn't want to sound yeah. like, you know, it's clueless, but I was like, yeah, yeah. a smoker? What does that mean?" So I go home that <laughs> afternoon, ride the bike home after I smash a pie and Tommy sauce all over the thing. Go home and I go, I walk in, and my mom's there and my stepdad's there. Bruce, big Bruce, shout out to Bruce. I walk yeah. in, and I say, "Hey, mum, what does smoker mean?" And then I hear yeah. from the other room, it's, like, "It's a smoke break, you bloody idiot." <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, mate. oh, That's fair so enough. So, right away, it took me two seconds to figure out it's basically just a break in the action. Put the tools down or the, yeah, you know, whatever you're doing that, to have a dart and, and off you go.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's exactly um, it, mate. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the fish and chip shops, they get hit hard around that time, Yeah, know, around yeah, 10 they, o'clock. Yeah. But, yeah. Like you said, smashed. Darby's Pie shop. Or bakeries, or whatever. <laughs> they're getting, no, uh, they, they do out the They out the door, mate. Great, uh, grab, grab hey, they, a fire, a sausage roll. These days they got the Tucker trucks that um, the Tucker trucks that go around, you know, with the Tucker. <laughs> what
0: is that? What is
2: that? Tucker, tucker tru- trucks, mate.
0: Oh, they Tucker go trucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, they go they're, around and they pull fancy. up to some of these sites. Yeah, they got yeah. all sorts of, you know, bloody meals or whatever they got in there, I suppose.
0: Yeah, they're, they're fancy these days, mate. I will tell you what. Yeah. I'll give you the Red hot tip.
2: Yeah, I, but, suppose, uh, I suppose these days, too, they probably get a Uber to bring it out. Uber Eats. Don't even, have to, yeah, yeah. don't even really have to stop and get off the tools. Usually, you know, the apprentice will go and make the run for the food, you know? <laughs> all the That's other right. boys are still on the work, you know? You'll take the list, take a bit of 4 by 2 2x4, two 4x2, you know, and write all the – you walk in with a piece of wood with all the, everyone's, uh, you know, just give me a sausage roll, give me a, you know – Cheeto bar, a couple of fish cakes. You I, I never forget. It right I never forget, off a piece mate. of wood.
0: Speaking of that, you know, some blokes obviously bring, you know, for smoker or their lunch break, they bring, yeah, a lunch box with like a, yeah. Yeah, a couple of sandwiches or something from home. I yeah. never forget. I ran into, I don't want to name names here, but a coach uh, uh, around. In, he was a coach in the ABL and he yeah. was, you know, working some, uh, you know, doing a construction gig or whatever he was doing. And yeah, you know, he was sure. he was a hefty hefty bloke. He was a he was a big fella. I came yeah. back one summer. And I saw him. And I'm like man, he'd lost some weight. He dropped you know a good twenty kilos. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, said to him, I said. I said. mate, you're looking trim. Like you know, you've lost yeah. some weight. You're in shape. He goes, yeah. yeah, mate. He goes, uh, yeah, I just knocked off. Uh, he goes. <laughs> he goes. I knocked off the six skewers in the Arvo and usually for work at on Lunch Break, I usually get a loaf of bread, throw some peanut butter and Vegemite on it. And so I've <laughs> cut out the bread. <laughs> so he basically said he's taken a whole loaf of bread and just <laughs> crushed a loaf of bread a day. And that's what he was uh, having for having for lunch. <laughs> uh, I never forget it. Anyway, oh I was like, i a yeah. freaking loaf of bread. And yeah, that's no, what I knew he, was he having.
2: 20 Ks, mate. KG. Yeah, knocked off yeah. the uh knocked you off the rid of all that light. yeast, mate. <laughs> he looked
0: off the oh, six cues in the afternoon. Anyway, <laughs> all, right. all right. Enough of that. So anyway, let's uh let's get Woody on right now. He is in the waiting room, the famous waiting room. Chris Woodward, the manager of the Texas Rangers. Grant, you ready to bring him in?
2: Yeah, mate, bring him in. All right. There, here we
0: go. <laughs> Maybe we can ask him if he was on smoker. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woody, how are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. How are you, man? <laughs> Thanks for coming well. on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what right before we jumped on? And and uh, you know, I was talking to Grant about this as well. The it's funny, I, I bumped into you and said what's up, we were teammates in 2010. But one of the coolest things that happened last year, young kid Josh Gessner, I know he's listening to this show because he listens all the time. He gets traded from the Phillies to the Rangers. Now he, this is an A-ball kid. He's he's barely out of extended spring training. Good arm. He's a prospect and everything, but that really doesn't matter, I guess. I, I asked him to say, Hey, how are you feeling about getting traded? The first thing he tells me, he's like, dude, the manager, Chris Woodward, just texted me and said, Welcome to the team. And I was like, What? And I know you're a good dude, man. We were teammates back in 2010. But that was so cool. Like, what, what is what's give me the, the motivation behind that from, from your point of view?
1: I think, you know, obviously I haven't put the uniform on, you know, I played, I played for a ton of different managers and, and different coaches and, you know, the things that kind of stood out to me were, were the people that took time to let me know like that I mattered. Um, you know, and I wasn't a, a top round pick, I, you know, I was a 50 something round draft pick had to you know fight my way to get to the big leagues. And, you know, this, the people that that took their time to just kind of, you know, I don't know, make get build a relationship or just say hi. Honestly, when the, when the GM just walks by and says, Hey, how's it going, Woody? It's like, holy crap like that that means a lot to me so as a manager you know I always you know I said if if I'm going to do anything I'm going to make sure that I'm going to make everybody feel welcome Um, anytime we trade for a guy or you know sign a guy uh, whether it's a minor league invite you know to to minor league camp sometimes you know I know that these guys are going to potentially be on our team Um, and I don't even think that that matters I mean if the guy never makes it to our team so what at least you know at least he knows that, you know, I had his back and that the organization has his back. I think that that goes a long way with players. And I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, I'm going to reach out like I normally do. And uh, it's funny to hear you say that because I never hear the other end of it. You know, I just reach out and say hi and, you know, welcome to the team. And um, they're part of a great organization now and I'm excited to have them. But, uh, you know, obviously it meant a lot to him.
0: It's it's funny though, because usually the response is, you know, they're trying to play it cool, I guess, or, or trying to act like they sort of belong. You know, I'm sure he did the same thing. You know, I mean, I don't know if he did or not, but he was like, "Hey, what do I write back?" It's so funny. But you you made a great point, man. I never forget. Like Brian Price, I was in A ball with the Mariners organization, and you go to those, you go back up, you know, you go back up in spring training, and here I am. I just feel like a complete fish out of water jumping on that bus to to go down to back in the day Tucson. And then Brian Prosser, hey, kid, what's going on? And he takes the time. You never, ever forget that. You never forget those moments. Yeah. No, and I think
1: that, that's when I got into coaching. You know, I was I swore that I would get into coaching um, with a servant's heart, man. Like, you know, I played the game for a long time, was good at times, but mostly not good in the big leagues. Um, you know, and I know how hard this game is. I, I know the grind that it takes and the, the, the toll that it takes on your body, your mind, uh, your family, everything. So, you know, the fact you know, I'm, I'm a coach, I'm going in. I'm just going to, you know you know, be there for the guys, hit them with, you know, some, some truth. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not just, you know, patting them on the butt all the time. I'm like, you know, giving them some times, making sure they're doing things right. But um, at the same time, making them feel supported, I think is, is so critical in today's world, man. They got so many things going on outside, outside of the game, outside of our walls. And I want to make sure when they're in our walls, within our walls, that they're, they're feeling loved and supported. And like I said, hit with truth, we're going to try to make them better.
0: You, know, you you're and, – and I'm so happy for you when you got the job with Texas because uh, I, I said this to Grant as well, actually, right before you came on. I, I played with you in 2010, and there's always those handful of guys, and I put you in the same, you know, uh, circle as, you know, Mike Sweeney. Mike Sweeney meant a lot to me being a pitcher. You know what I mean? It wasn't <clears> like he's a good teammate, like he's a good dude who says hi to you. He actually has an impact on players, uh, you know, f- uh, further than that, so to speak. And I've always, I've always sort of asked the question, Mike, when's Mike Sweeney going to be a manager? But I remember when you got that job, it, it just, it, again, it was one of these things. It's like you, 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 you knew that transition was going to happen where you were going to have that kind of leadership role. But when you got done playing, you got done around, what, 2011,
1: 2012? 12 was my last year, yeah
0: right how did at that point was it straight away like hey listen this is what i want to do i want to get into coaching or were you in that and we've talked a lot of ex-players man about what the hell do i do now whether they've made 100 million dollars or 100 grand were you ever in that moment where you're like what the hell do i do now or did these opportunities just come your way right away um
1: i think you know luckily i got a rock star wife that kind of shook me a little bit in 2008 kind of started the decline in 2007 my last full year in the big leagues in 2008 um didn't get a big league deal didn't have a great year in 2007 so, so 2008 was like the first year where i struggled i didn't make the team i had a good camp with the yankees didn't make the team and that was the first time i was in you know not in the big leagues for a while and it was yeah. you know i would go to actually sign with the phillies um played terrible i mean for a month and no fault of anybody it was just like didn't know a whole lot of people wasn't comfortable just didn't play good didn't feel great um so after a month we basically kind of had like an agreement i'm gonna take my release First time in my career that i've been released so now i'm just like at home home for my kid's birthday for the first time in may i was like what is going on um not a lot of team for calling, and, and so i had to basically like uh, Jack forensic you know who ended up getting the seattle job was in milwaukee he signs me and so that was like the first year where i kind of had to take a look and go okay how long is this gonna keep going on you know i mean i'm, I'm away from my family you know i'm not making a ton of money i'm, I'm in the minor leagues now and it's that started the process. So I had at that point I started, I went back to school. Like I, I got my uh it took me three years. I had a little bit of schooling um after high school, but um ended up getting my business degree. Wasn't sure if I was gonna get into coaching. Figured if I had a degree, you know, business management, which is leadership, figured I could, you know, maybe coach a college team if I around town. Um I, I didn't know, to be honest with you. I, I wanted to keep playing and I played for another, you know, till 2012. And at that point I had told myself and told my wife, told my family, like 2012 is it, no matter what happened. You know, I had my day in the sun and I had had my time um, and, and I didn't make it back to the big leagues, but it was a great year. I, I graduated that year, got my degree. Uh, it was a pretty cool moment, for, you know, with the AAA team, you know, they got a little party for me, um, but I took, you know, the leadership, the mentorship role pretty serious. And I know the year we played together at 10, I, that's, you know, nine and 10, I had kind of started that. Um, and had a lot of great people obviously you included um, on that team and uh, and just you know tried to, to fulfill that role that I've always wanted to kind of fulfill and getting into managing wasn't really at the top of my list I just wanted to make an impact I you know I played for so long had so many experiences and so many ups and downs that I just wanted to help players I just wanted to help other guys kind of maybe avoid some pitfalls that you know I thought I did everything right in my career you know you, you tried to do everything right but there was a lot of things that I you know, look back and go, man, if I'd have just stuck to this, you know, and and a lot of the way you guys compete, you know, I wish I would have done that more, you know, and just been fearless out on the field. And so, so preaching that, you know, I played with a lot of like, I wanted to do everything perfect. And it was like, you can't be that way. You can't, you can't do that. You know, when you're playing, you guys, you got to let your balls hang out. I hate to say it, but like, you got to go out there and compete. And I got two guys on the call right now that did that. And, you know, and it's like, if you you got no regrets, you just go out and compete and play hard. And you know, at times that that kind of got in my way because I was kind of anxious and like not trying, like I said, trying to be perfect all the time. And uh, so, and so anyways, that was kind of my story. And you know, obviously, there was some teams that reached out right away. You know, the Blue Jays being one, and Seattle being the other two teams that I played for that I had built relationships with with people off the field. You know, in the front office, and Jack zorenzik was probably the, the the leader of that. And he he said, hey man, when you're done playing. I'm hiring you so he basically really me. Wow. yeah. He basically yeah. pulled me away from Toronto. Toronto was working pretty hard to get me, um, at that point. And Jack's like, Nope, you're coming with me, man. So it started a, a, a cool thing. And you know, I love coaching, man. It's like, I, it's I, 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 will, say,
0: I will say this because people have asked, said to me, Hey, like, you ever want to get into coaching? And I feel like as an ex player, it, it essentially gets tougher and tougher every year because now you don't have to be an ex player and you're competing now against. Yeah, a lot of smart dudes and everything else. But I remember I, I was like, hey, that's something I could – because I was lost, man. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do once I was done playing. And I didn't have – it. I didn't play 12 years in the big leagues like you. So it was that, you know, kind of on the on the fence of like, if I'm going to have to do it, I'm going to have to, you know, scratch and claw my way into, into a gig. And I remember a friend of mine said, hey, listen – I said, "Oh, hey, what do you think of coaching? Like thinking you're just going to call someone, and say, oh, I played in the big leagues. Give me a job.'" And you guys, Fair dude, up. the resume is this high, man. The resume, yeah. the, the pile of resumes is this high. It's freaking hard to get into. I was like, "Oh man, it was just such a, it was just such a punch in the face," you know?
1: No doubt. It's, it, I talked to a lot. Of, a lot of guys reach out to me that I played with, and asked me like, "What what that transition was like?" Man, you prepared a long time before, and I'm like, "Well, that was." Like I said, honestly, I give my wife a lot of credit because in 2008, she kind of basically told me like, you need to figure out a game plan, a plan B, like if this doesn't work (laughs) out, I mean, so I was like, all right, you're right, I I do. Um, And I just thought it would be an easy transition, but it was, luckily I played for three more years and it was, you know, I had a great time doing it, four more years actually. Um, And, uh, but, but coaching is like, nowadays we need more like ball players. To to like catch up to speed, like what the, what's going on in the game, you know it's yeah. There's a lot of smart people in the game. There's no question, but I think that uh, you know we need more ball players that understand some of these things, so we can kind of blend, you know, have a healthy blend of the two. Because um, we can we can hire all the smart people we want, but we need competitors, man. We need competitors in between the lines. And I know as a manager, like that's a huge advantage nowadays. Because so many people, you know, go strictly by the numbers or or strictly analytics, and, and some of the ballplayers that we see are are losing a little bit of the the fight yeah. um, in the arena. And and you know, if we can if we can maintain that in our organization, you know, we'll have an advantage every time we step on the field while maintaining all the same advantages from an analytical side right. um, that every other team has.
2: You've uh, obviously you took on the first role there with Seattle, like you said, with Jack Sorenzik um 2014 right a minor league infield coach is that correct
1: yeah so 12 12 was that... I actually was hired as an infield coordinator okay uh, so, so all of 13 i was the infield coordinator and then 14 i was uh, i was put on the major league staff so 14 and oh 15.
2: yeah yeah sorry and then 14 you, you're on the major league staff and then obviously uh you know you haven't looked back and and just going back on what you said you 50 something around i think it's awesome i, I love the stories I was a guy that came from Australia. I didn't sign for a lot of money, and I just told my, my thing G's, was fifteen k, mate. Bought that Calais, and away you go. A Holden <laughs> Calais, mate. Love it. Well, I what what you, a, hold, a,
0: Holden, a Holden Calais is like have, if you're. We have a uh, lot of Australian listeners, listeners who are our age going, yeah, hell yeah, like this. He's like, what the hell is uh, that? <laughs> you're either a
2: Holden or a Ford guy, mate. So <laughs> That's yeah, right, yeah. I couldn't afford to put new tires on it when I was burning the rubber, but um, I love the car, but um. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just a great story. It's uh, when Ryan said we could have you on, I was like, mate, it's it's just want to hear your story, just where you came from. I know how hard it is to get from where you got to back in '94 to where you got to, not only today but to the big leagues and what you've done in your career. It's it's just an achievement on its own. Like so, you've already won the game. What you're doing now is obviously a bonus, and and uh, you obviously love what you're doing. So, yeah. Um, You've, you've been through many organizations. You know, I've obviously here you talk about the Phillies, the Yankees. I mean, Blue Jays, Seattle, you've, you've kind of been all over and seen all that. For, for people out there that don't really know, you know, the different organizational changes, how do you see it there at Texas? And where would you say they're ranking, I suppose, as far as their minor leagues and how now at the top of the realm managing the team – uh, seeing their minor league system and what they've got to expect to come, knowing that they've just signed Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, John Gray. You've got – they've obviously gone out and spent a lot of money. There's probably a lot of expectations there now too, right?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been a cool process because, you know, coming from, you know, as a player g- getting to kind of witness all the, the things that I got as a, as a player with all the different – organs. I played for Toronto for 10 years, the first 10 years, so I thought I would never play for another team. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like Mets, yeah, Braves, Red Sox, yeah, Seattle. You know, it was like one after another, back to the and I ended up back with the Blue Jays in the minor leagues, which is pretty funny how it comes full circle. But when I got into coaching, you know, you see Seattle and see how their processes were, and you start to, you know, get on the, the different side of the, you know, on the other side of the ball, I guess, um, in the front office, and you start to see how things kind of operate. And, and then the three years I had in LA were, were pretty eye-opening. Um, you know, it was it was awesome just to see how. You can you can have a great culture, um, you can have a you know high expectations, um, you know, nobody's panicking there. You know, doc and, and the staff there did a great job. Andrew Friedman, you know, had many great conversations with him. Now there's still a lot of things that I didn't get to to witness. You know, I'm not going up there and talking to the analytics department. They have a robust department. They're only the guys that I actually worked with I got to talk to, but Um, I just knew there was a lot going on behind the scenes uh, and getting the best players, how they would acquire players, their player, player development system. Um, And there's just like churning guys in and out, right? Like one guy goes down, next guy comes up, you know, Max Muncy signs a minor league deal. Boom. He comes up and he's, you know, hitting 35 home runs. So it's, you know, Cody Bellinger comes up for May ball and dominates. And so it was just, you know, you just see how this thing kind of works. And so when I got to Texas, you know, listen, every, every organization is different, but uh, Texas yeah. had a ton of success. 10, 11, they went to the World Series. 15, 16, they were one of the better teams in baseball. Um, yeah. A little bit on the downturn, you know, when I got there, they had a rough year the year before. They had a lot of pieces that were in place before, you know, and I came in and, you know, I had a vision. You know, I, I know that they, they brought me there for that reason. And I had a vision of what kind of team I wanted, what kind of players I wanted. You know, we were transitioning from, you know, like every team has. Transition from like wherever they were to catch up with the rest of the league. Uh, well, what we've done in three years, honestly, is has been remarkable. Um, the ownership, you know, and I'll hit probably every department, but ownership has poured a ton of money in. Obviously, brand new stadium. You know, they they pretty much own that that entire stadium. Uh, they built a brand new complex in Dominican, brand new uh, you know lab, and, and surprise, they built out a lab in Texas. We're going to be the only team that has that, um, that technology in our own home stadium. Um, they built a dorm room, uh, 300 room dorm room, and surprise. So they've just, they, they poured so much money in. So, so resources are pretty heavy right now. Like we, we got a ton of resources now, you know, my job obviously is bringing the staff to, to, to catch up to speed and the rest, with the rest of the game. Um, our analytics department has gotten bigger. Everything has just gotten better. Our staff has gotten better. Um, yeah, obviously we've signed players. They promised me that from last year, they're like, Hey, we're going to spend some money. We went out and, and to, get, to get Corey Seager, and obviously I knew Corey, so Corey knew what I was all about. Marcus Simeon and I didn't know each other. Um, but for him to sign to be the first one, you know, we we basically sat down with him, and he's got Scott Boris. We knew it was going to be tough negotiations. Um, but Marcus, you know, was very interested in what we were about. We're a last-place team. We lost 102 games. So for him to even listen and, and, and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to hear you guys out, you know, we, yeah. we don't really give like a, a, a giant PowerPoint. We don't impress you and wow you with, with some technological wonder, you know, as far as like the PowerPoint presentation of what we're, we're just like, Hey, this is who we are. This is what our vision is. And this is where we're moving. You want to be a part of it. We want guys that grind. We want guys that work. We want guys that play every pitch that fight, that compete, that are smart um, and that are great teammates that care, man. It's it's more than just you. Yeah. Like I'm not just going to bring you. And, and they, they bought in, man. And Marcus, was the first guy to sign, I gave him a big hug, and was like, thank mm-hmm. you for taking a chance, you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, yeah. we're building it the right way. We've been really picky with the players that we've brought in. Um, so we're in, good, we're in good shape. Honestly, we're, we're in really good shape now. The expectations, like you said, Grant, are, are higher. I love yeah. that, man. I talk about that a lot with our players, like, don't shy away from that. Yeah. Don't be scared yeah. of expectations. Embrace that, take it head on, yeah. um, believe in who we are and what we're doing, uh, and we'll be fine. Uh, but I, I'm really excited obviously to get this
2: thing going. I know you said you didn't know Marcus, but uh hey, you both both shortstops for the Blue Jays and uh, I was gonna bring up a point. Icebreaker,
0: there. there
2: you go. I was gonna bring up a point there though that uh I know it's it. uh it was several years ago now, but three home runs in one game, mate. Huh? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, the if, first I don't know thing, if Marcus has done thing. that, so you might be able to put that to him. That's you right. might have, might have that. He already on him.
0: did. <laughs> that was the first <laughs> thing he said. He said, "Oh, Marcus, by the way, you know I hit three bombs in a game, right? No, Blue Jays <laughs> Union." Well, <he> <laughs> oh, hold on, hold yeah, on. He's,
2: he's got way more than I do. Talking to yeah. a guy that's hitting four, forty-five bombs a, a year, so no, not yeah. a bad guy to have in your lineup now. Hey, no, what you,
0: I'm got to ask you though, and I want to jump to that because there's a lot of things I want to get to, and hopefully we we have time to get to them. But you mentioned now you knew. Corey, you knew Corey obviously on a personal level, so you're way in that um, in the in the process to try and woo this guy to come to Texas. Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I was a little surprised when I saw Marcus Simeon and, and Seager because we had Liam Hendricks, a good friend of ours, at Australian, whatever. He was talking us through the free agent process and the little things, the little nuances that teams like the White Sox brought to him. And the what and this voice and that voice and they all these external things are outside of obviously the years and the dollars, right? So obviously you would have been involved with Corey Seeger saying, listen man, you know me, this is what we're going to do. trust this, trust that. But how does it work and, and how involved you, Marcus Simeon from from the first conversations? How does that all work? Trying to, I guess, obviously, besides the money factor or the years factor, whatever it is, but to get those little X factors to bring them to Texas. Like, how does that work, that process work?
1: Well, I think, I think what 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 it starts with is on our end. Like we we are very so we we started having conversations as, as an organization, and, and I thought our, our front office did a great job of just um, getting getting together early in the process and probably mid, mid of this mid season last year, uh, we started going oh, wow. through free agents and started identifying. Cause the one thing it's like, you know, when, when we hired Chris Young, John Daniel has been fantastic, super supportive with me um, since I've been here. Uh, but, but hiring Chris Young, you know, as a general manager, we, you know, I, he was on the, on the 2010 team. Um, I know him well, you know, we, we've kept in touch. He's been working with the commissioner's office before we, you know, we hired him as general manager. Uh, so we knew each other well, and, and I knew that the, the, what we wanted from players and what we've always kind of talked about. We've we've talked about this beforehand. You know, before I even started coaching, on what we would love to have in, in a team if we were to kind of be part of an organization. So now that you know he signed on and he's he's from Texas, he grew up there, he knows me well, he knew KD well, and it's like a dream job for him. Um, so that kind of changed things a little bit. That 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 made it a lot easier to know that. OK, I know for sure when we go after guys, they're going to be the right guys. So when we sat in meetings with our pro staff and our pro scouts, and uh, we're going through each, each one of these players. And there's some good ass players out there, man. There's some really talented players. Um, and there was there was a few guys that you'd be surprised. I'd be like, nope, nope. And, and not just because of, you know, not not just based on character, but based on the way they play the game. You know, do they take pitches off? How do they, do they stay in the strike zone? Do they value the things that we value? Right. You know, that's, it's hard to find a perfect fit, obviously, and there is no perfect fit. But to be honest with you, there those two guys, I couldn't have, you know, handcrafted two better players to represent our system. I mean, the way they play the game. Corey Seager, I know personally, like for three years, I had him. He never took one pitch off as a shortstop, not one pitch. I mean, yeah. he was locked in every pitch, wanting information, like getting off the ball. He's 6'4 shortstop, so he's not as quick as other guys. And he's – the way this guy plays, every ball he hits, he runs out. That's one thing I'm really proud of our, our team. We sucked last year. We didn't win a lot of games. We played hard. Uh, every ground ball we ran out, we, we didn't half pass anything. Um, every pitch our defense was on, on point. Our pitchers competed every pitch, you know, and it was just, you know, we were inexperienced and maybe a little lack of talent in certain areas, but we knew that we were building it the right way. And so for Corey and Marcus, like, like I said, there, we identified those two guys as our one and two, like our, and I was really excited to, to hear our pro scouting department on an analytical side, say there are one, two, That right. wasn't, sure if that was going to match up and it was like, shoot, I don't know if we're going to even be in, I don't even know if half the people are going to want Corey because, you know, he's had an injury history, you know, he's had multiple surgeries, um, but the way this guy plays a game and the impact he has and the, the kid that he is and the leader that he wants to be, the leader that Marcus is, like it's, so that going into negotiations, like we didn't, we only got with, with Scott Boris, you're not really allowed to kind of just like have dialogue with him outside of his meeting, which, you know, I appreciate it. It's, it's the way Scott does it. And um, so we only had one meeting with Marcus. But it was a really, really good meeting. We left that meeting going, wow. I was like, I had him at the top of the list, him and Corey. But after that, I was like, this guy's special, man. Like, this Was this
0: different. in person? Was this meeting in yeah. person? Or I was, okay.
1: And in that meeting, hey, it was just hey. GD, CY and I. So it was only us three. And Corey's meeting, we had more people. Wow. Um, but with Marcus, I wasn't sure, man. I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to be interested I've coached against him a lot, but you know, never really had a conversation with him. I've gone out of my way to just tell him how much I appreciate the way he played, but he's an opposing player, so I'm not going to you know dig in too much. But Corey, I knew we had a chance just because of our relationship.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, would you touch on a couple things just then? First of all, Chris Young, he's an extremely intelligent dude, right? But he's played, okay. <laughs> and before you talked about how you know front offices or the game needs more competitors, need more ex players. And then you also mentioned when you saw Marcus Simeon as a as a target and, and a Corey Seager, you were hoping that the analytics department felt the same way. So I just want to touch on that, man. Do you feel okay? Now the Texas Rangers obviously they have an ex-player at you know the the general manager, so that obviously helps. But on the on the ex-player side of things and the competitive side of things, when you have a situation chris young is looking at this let's say hypothetically you say hey listen i love Corey seager i love him as a dude as a competitor all the intangibles all the human elements yet the the analytics department comes in and says "Uh, no this is not matching up if i'm chris young or if you can speak for chris young or whoever which side wins that argument and which side should win that argument do you think
1: well i think you know the the competitive side i think should should win who's the winning player who's going to you win so i think that the good thing is is like when you have a healthy organization listen i don't want our analytics guys to to speak subjectively i, I really don't because that's not their expertise their expertise is to, to dig in and find out okay if i ask for something from our analytics guys in our analytics department is phenomenal they're they, they work hand in hand with our staff they, they know our players well that's something that i always i've always wanted i wanted them to be like integrated into what we do i don't want them to be the the guys that, you know, like, oh, you know, those guys, like, we don't, we don't agree with yeah. them. No, yeah. they're part of our team. They're part of our culture and, and they're phenomenal human beings. So they fit everything that we do, but, but their job is to just get us objective data to go, okay, this is what it is. According to us, we look at it from our standpoint. What do my eyes tell me? What does the competitor me tell me? What, you know, what's, what's right. between guy's ears, man? Like, who yeah. is this guy? Does this guy love to play baseball? Does he love to go out and compete? You know, so those are questions that we have to answer. And it's like, when we put all that together, it isn't about one side winning or one side losing. It's just about okay, what's the best fit for the Texas Rangers. You know, and so like I said, it's really hard nowadays because there's, there's not too many guys that, that fit all that crit- criteria. Our, our standards are really high. You know, and I know we're a 102 lost team, but we are not budging off of championship standards. And it's like, if, if that's the case, like we keep building, it may take a little bit longer, which it has for the last couple of years, but at the end, we're going to have solidified pieces that we can depend on um, and count on to lead our younger group that's coming. And, and, Grant, you asked me, like, where our team is on the minor league side. This is where I'm probably most excited because, you know, I know since I've been here, we've kind of made a, a little bit of an adjustment on how we draft and who we draft and who we sign. Um, and the guys that we now focus on are talented. Clearly, they're talented. But but a Josh Young comes to mind and, you know, he was the first first draft pick that I had as a manager, he was in, in 2019. And um, when we drafted him, you know, we got a little bit of, you know, it was like, I forget what we were, seventh or eighth. And, you know, he was, I got to meet him and talk to him and this guy's obsessed. Like this guy is obsessed with being good, man. He's gotten so much better over the last couple of years. And he's a leader. You know, we just had a little leadership camp in, in Dallas, you know, brought a bunch of these guys in, these young guys in and Josh was one of them. And just to hear this guy speak, man, it's, It's impressive. And so we built a a really robust system of prospects like that, that we know are hungry. We we have a ton of resources now. We have great minor league player development staff um, department that is very similar. It's very aligned with the big leagues, which is really hard to do in today's game is to align your values all the way down. And I feel like we're doing that as, as, as best as I've seen it even better than some of the teams I've played on and coached before so, you know, we're going to start churning out guys. They're coming. They're coming. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's, but they all fit the model. They all fit our, our system, our, our standards, our expectations.
0: Um, well, you, talk, you talked about that a couple of times and Grant mentioned how many organizations you'd been with. You come from the Dodgers and you said it was eye-opening, right? I never forget. I went from, I went from the Mariners. Yeah, I was there my whole career. And then I went on to this organization, that organization. I went to the Red Sox. I never forget. I was blown away by the the from the top down uh, respect that players had, and that culture that everyone, you know, everyone was on the same page. You mentioned the the alignment of of everyone, you know, doing the things the same way as what they do in the big leagues. I felt like there was times where I was in A ball or Double A, and you'd have that, you know, this coach is telling you this is how you hit, or This is how, you like, from an on-field thing and then from a culture standpoint. I go to the Red Sox, man. Everyone's on the same page. This is how we do things, and this is how you win, and boom, boom, boom. And if you're an A-ball or double-A, it doesn't matter. Everyone's on the same page. But the Dodgers it kind of – and people have said this to me all the time. Well, it's the Red Sox. Of course, these young players are going to get drafted and come in and respect the, the organization, et cetera, Right compared to some of these other organizations, the Dodgers, you kind of have that where it's, you know, the big market team. So how do you do with the Texas Rangers, like, how do you not enforce that? But how do you get everyone, whether it's a coach or that first round pick who's, you know, just signed for a couple million bucks to come in and respect exactly how you do things this way here at the tip with the Rangers? It's, it's,
1: It's probably, you know, you just mentioned a lot of reasons as to why, like, you know, coaching with the Dodgers, you go into every season expecting to win a World Series so everything that I would you know the messages that you say okay if we're going to work on turns around the bases with our with our base runners there's a reason why we're doing it because we're going to win a championship if we're talking about like not taking a pitch off on defense or the execution from a pitcher standpoint like being able to hold a runner all those things you know pfps in the middle of the season like why are those important it's easier when you're a championship caliber team and you're like that's going to be the difference you know you can point to different plays that happened in different world series and be like you know, Marion rivera fields to, to and makes a, a good throw to second base. He's one of the greatest closer of all the greatest closer of all time. They win four World Series in a row. You know what I mean? And so like, you can point out these things to players and be like, this is why we're doing it. Well, when you're not that organization and you're not, you're kind of in the process of building a champion um, to maintain championship standards is really difficult because players are kind of be like, well, why would, why would I sacrifice something? You know, we're losing, you know, last year we lost 102 games and it's, you know, the one thing that I stress every day is like, we're never losing sight of what that looks like as a champion. The things that we now are going to define us as being champions later on. Um, We just can't slack on it right now. And it's, this is the most difficult time Uh, when it comes to staff, like, you know, minor league staff that, you know, when you're in a big league staff, it's a little easier. And the one thing I don't allow is an ego. We'll not allow an ego in our staff room. We'll not allow it like it's not worth it. You can't be collaborative if you have egos. Um, you can you can be convict convicted in your beliefs and I want like I want to hear dialogue. I want to hear people's opinions on different things, you know. So if I make a move like in the game, I, you know, I don't mind bringing them in and say, "Hey, what would you think of that?" Like, you know, give me some criticism here like we can talk about these things so we're so we're, you know, making informed decisions all the time so people feel a part of it. But with that comes a lot of dialogue and a lot of, you know, you're you're not always going to agree. So it's, you know, probably hardest on me because I'm the one that has to make a decision at the end or or general manager has to make a decision at the end. We all have to support that. It's easier on a major league staff, but on the minor leagues, it's like those guys are trying to get to the big leagues. So the only way you get to the big leagues is by showing that, you know, more than maybe somebody else to get you promoted. Um, And so it's hard to keep egos in check on the minor league side. So, you know. That's the one thing that's like <laughs> you know, for three years has been the, probably the hardest thing to hear sometimes when I'm like, okay, this guy did this, or this guy did that. And it's like, man, he's undermining, you know, right. he, he went a rogue. You know, we had all these docs in spring training and then they go AAA, and, and all of a sudden you hear, you he just went rogue and said, nah, basically don't listen to that. And I had coaches that did that. I had coaches AA that would be like, nah, don't listen to that coordinator, man. He's just telling you yeah. because, I, you know, and that's, that, that's, that, just-
0: that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen it. that the uh, whole career you know i saw that my whole career where guys are just like no no no, this is the right way to do don't listen to that crap or the organization and it just creates this cancer inside your own organization
1: and you know it as a player you feel it like you feel that you're like, oh, i don't i don't i don't know which way to go here i'm caught you know yeah. some players are pleasers so they'll do what they they're asked and it's like now you talk about complete dysfunction so it's you have to be really smart with who you hire Honestly, I think you have to have really quality leadership. And, and listen, the, the, the guys that we've, we put now in place at the top of the, the player development, um, no fault of the guys that came before them. Um, but, you know, you give guys a trial run and you see what they can do. And, and, and listen, it's not for everybody because player development, like, you know, we just hired Josh Bonifay as our, our farm director, you know, just talking to him, it's, it's probably a way tougher job than mine. Honestly, I have to be out in front of the media and, you know, I'm the guy that people will throw darts at, which is totally fine. Um, You know, Bonafé is a little bit more behind the scenes, but organizationally to keep that in check, to keep the alignment in order, true to to what we want and to, you know, and listen, it's not about what I want. We discuss this. Like I have a vision. I redirected on some of my vision, not, not value wise, but like when it comes to like processes, you know, our pitching coach has this vision in his mind. We talk about it. I'm like, dude, you're right. I don't need credit for that. Like, let's go that way. Um, and I love that. I want our guys to feel empowered to do that. But, uh, you know, on the minor side, man, it's it's the biggest task. It's it's really, really difficult. And you got to be really picky on who you hire. Um, so your double A hitting coach, or your A ball manager has to be like critically aligned with your values. And if he is, Dude, you're you're setting your organization ahead of everybody else's because I know it's,
2: it's yeah. hard to find that kind of consistency. Got to preach down from the top. I think these days, too, we've noticed, I mean, I say these days, but to to I'm looking at my career and coming up and, and looking at being a minor leaguer and trying to get to the big leagues and trying to get to big league camp. It wasn't one of these things where it was like, all right, we're going to take the guys over to big league camp. You had to really earn your way over to big league camp. You didn't just get that meal money for the day, big league camp, kind of, you know, get over there and see these nowadays today in this game, you're seeing a lot more guys, younger guys, that they're bringing around that big league culture. So you are, they're seeing it right there. And then er, in the earlier stages of their career is what I'm seeing. So they can see, this is what we do at the top. And they know that that's what's expected of them. When they leave that day, their eyes are just, they they might be in shock and like, well, hang on a second, you know, this guy was telling me to do this, but I'm coming up here and this is what they're doing and this is what they want. Like you said, you've, you're have you putting the right people in place now to say this guy that's going back to A-ball, he's going to get the same mentoring, the same ideas as what they're doing at the top. So he's ready to go. And, I mean, I I, I look at the Rays. I mean, I might be a little biased, but they're you look at their minor league teams this year. I mean, they, they all won. I know I'm jokingly in saying this, but I think they all won 100 games. The big league team wins 100 games. It's crazy. I mean, they're all on the same page. I think they do an amazing job of what they do from top to bottom. They, they really okay. do. Okay. And they're on a smaller budget. Um, I guess the other thing I, I was trying to bring up earlier was the one thing about the culture, it, it does go with, and this is from my playing days, when I took the ball on that mound, when I had a manager that I wanted to play, when I played hard for that guy, then I knew he had my back. And that was that was the, some of the best years I had. So I was giving, I was trying to give you a rap and say, you know what, you you got a you got a great thing going for yourself. You're a great guy. Everyone wants to play hard for you. So you're gonna have those guys take go out there and take the ball. And I just believe you're gonna have a lot of success over there with that, coming with that, knowing that you've got their back. Like you said, you're doing things the right way. So I think I think that's a big plus uh, from all the managers I've played with. I appreciate
1: that. It means a lot to me, obviously, when I hear guys that, uh, you know, listen, I, I have pretty high standards in, in what we what we want and what we value. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like when, when they understand that, you know we're, we're all on the same page it's about them it isn't about me i don't have an ego at all um i want them to be as successful as possible uh, we're going to support them through it. and I, i've had to have a lot of tough conversations um when, when guys you know maybe aren't pulling their as much on their end um you know because we have a ton of resources now we have great staff um, that, that, that supports them the one thing i i, I wanted to kind of, kind of take it upon I, I have kids i have three kids i see the entitlement in today's you know, youth. Um, and it's like, I didn't do this, I not do that. And, I, and I'm trying to like really rid that in our organization, get rid of that and just say, let's earn everything. So we signed, this is a great story because Cole Calhoun, who I haven't mentioned yet, um, was one of the, was the first guy we actually signed. And I know he's got, you know, seven or eight year deal like the Simeon and Seeger, but um, was one guy that I highly respected, loved the way he played, hated playing, you know, coaching against him. Cause he's just a pain in the ass like this guy's diving for balls playing his ass off grinding at bats everything that i want out of a player and i'm like late man like this guy's just give in one time and he never does he's uh, yeah. basically pit bull out there and everything i've heard he's just a phenomenal teammate um you know teammates love him pitchers love him coaching staff love him, he's super respected super respectful um, so when i got on the phone with him man it was like that was the game changer that was like i need this guy on my team Like this guy, and so when you get guys like that, now all of a sudden, it, 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 you know, he wants to. He told me, like, listen, Woody, I don't care um, if I'm a platoon player. He goes, I know I I didn't have a great year last year, but he goes, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself right. Um, He knows Donnie Ecker. now, who we hired as our our bench coach, Um, Tim Myers, our hitting coach, two of the best in the game. Um, Cole was really excited about that, knows them well, and he's like, Woody, I don't care. I'm going to earn everything I get. I don't want anything given to. This is a you know eight or nine year ten year yeah. veteran player who's had a ton of success in big leagues and and he's telling me I don't want to I don't want anything handed to me you yeah. know meanwhile there are there are guys who come up you know obviously the last years we've had a lot of younger players and you know I've had to kind yeah. of put them in their place at times and be like no you haven't earned anything and yeah. you have to continue to earn you know Shinsu Chu told me one day and this is like one of the first my first year he told me. He goes every day. I, we just sat down. We're just having a beer together, and we're just talking shop. And he's like, "Woody, every day I walk into that locker room, I see the the Choose Seventeen jersey hanging in my locker. I'm I'm, I'm super grateful. I'm grateful." Uh, he goes, "Where I came from in Korea, and you know, it took me a long time to get to the big leagues." And he goes, "I'll never take a day for granted." He goes, "I know that somebody's trying to take that jersey down." That's good. Somebody's always trying to take that jersey from me. And he goes, I'm not going to give in. He goes, that that pushes me through my day. He goes, I might have, listen, I have three kids. I got a wife. Like there's things off the field that you come into this locker room sometimes, you're not in a good place. But yeah. you look at your uniform and you go, okay, I owe it to them. I owe it to this teammate. I owe it to my staff, to the organization. Like I owe it to a lot of people to just give my best today. And that's like the, the way I eat, the way I sleep, the way I work out, the way I prepare for the game. I don't take a pitch off in game. I'm a savage competitor. And it's like you do all those things, you, you sleep like a baby. I never did because I, I took it too hard. You know, I was felt like I was kind of tied to my results. And that's the one thing as a manager and as a coach, I've tried to like, you're not who you are that day on um, just because you went over four, that doesn't define you as a human being. Like, what did you do before that over four? You did everything possible to succeed. Fucking hey man, like yeah. <laughs> like a baby that night. You know, what I mean, you should have nothing to, you know, but any maybe come in the next day and say, okay, what do I got to do? How do I get better? That's it.
0: What well, it is so refreshing to hear, and I, I know it's genuine and it's legitimate. When you when you mentioned that conversation with Cole Calhoun, to have the manager get on the phone with him and hear that and say, okay, this is something that's valued, because and I'm not trying to sit here and say, oh, you know, old school like. Um, your numbers don't matter. I love, I'm fascinated by analytics and the numbers and everything else, but there are those intangibles. And you look through, and and this is something that I I was, you know, too much time on my hands, but I was looking through at every World Series team. And looking at some of the, you know, some, how was that roster made up? Yes, you have obviously a ton of talent and there's money involved and everything else. But when you look through, like John Morosi was on last week, he mentioned the, the 2019 World Series. He mentioned a couple names for the Washington Nationals that were the difference makers and they're in their mid 30s and their yeah. leadership. And everything else that goes into that—the things that just cannot be lost in the game—and then on top of that, you mentioned Shin Tzu Chu. I actually played rookie ball with Shin Tzu Chu. I never forget uh, I thought
1: you might have paths. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And <laughs> I remember he was—he was just a gun, dude. Like you look at him, you're like yeah, he's gonna play in the big leagues, like day one. But he never had that sense of entitlement. Like you're talking about, he was the hardest working dude. I never forget it. You had the guys like, you know, the, the scrubs. Like, I'm, I signed for 30 G's, and and my dad said, You're the first and the last person there every single day. But really? I could never beat Shin Chu. I mean, the kid signed for a couple million bucks back in 2000, and he was just, man, got after it. And then obviously, you know, he, he got to the big leagues and, and everything else, but, and he had a massive career. But it was, it's just so good to hear, hear those stories. Hey, I, I do want to transition because I don't know how much time I've got you for. I don't want to keep, I could sit here for hours. and – i think picking
1: my kids for a while. I'm
0: good. <laughs> I got plenty of time. <laughs> All <laughs> right, I, I I do want to go back to to you and and the journey to become a major league manager. It is we've talked about coaching in the minor leagues, and you know tr- guys who are trying to scratch and claw to to get there an opportunity to be a big league manager. You had. That interview process, and this is something, I have a a Facebook group, the Top Step community with a ton of people. And a lot of them, I said, hey, I'm talking to Chris Woodward. What do you want me to ask him? And a lot of them, I got a, a good handful of people saying, hey, I want you to ask about what's the interview process like to, and and how com, and obviously it's competitive, but when it comes down to you and three or four other names, and they fly you out to New York, you had this process with the Yankees yeah. and then with the Texas Rangers, and you sit there. And I'm guessing it's this like hours on hours of chats. And talk us through that, man. How intense is those last moments or those last opportunities you get to 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 prove to this front office that you're the guy?
1: You know, it's 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 a cool story. And listen, I I got plenty of time to talk, so I I want to hit on this because I know that a lot of people have asked me that. And, you know, going into that New York interview, I, you know, we, even when I was in Seattle, you know, we, there was a lot of uh, in that 2015 season, we didn't play well. And, and there was a there was rumors going around that we were going to fire McClendon, you know, before the season ended. And, you know, th- that was the first year I, I had written a bunch of stuff down you know, preparing just not not to be a manager. Listen, I don't have any, like I said, I don't have an ego. I'm not, I didn't desire the seat for the power and the fame. I could care less about that. I just want to build a champion. I want to be part of that, whether I'm the manager or I'm a coach on the team, I don't care. I just want to be part of a championship organization. And so in Seattle, that was kind of the first time I had written out my philosophies and I had presented those to Seattle before, even though I didn't really have to interview for that job. I still wanted to, just because I wanted them to hear what I was all about more so being an infield coordinator and so anyways the, there was rumors that you know that potentially McClendon would get fired and, and there was a moment where i kind of woke up in the middle of the night in a panic like if he gets fired tomorrow i may be the guy they put in there who knows right i don't know and, and, and it, it was like an eye-opening thing for me to think, okay I, it was maybe arrogant of me to think that but i'm like if that happens i'm not ready for that yeah, like a, a humble moment where I was like, holy crap, like, I can't sit in front of this team right now. Like, I would love the opportunity at some point, maybe careful what you wish for, it, right? Because like, hey, hey. it, it's put in front of you. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, like, am I ready for that? So that was kind of the first moment. And it really fast forwarded me to try to really start to write things down. If I was ever presented with the opportunity, I wasn't in any hurry. I've always told myself the day I got into coaching, I'm my feet are planted where I'm at. I'm going to be the best at what I'm doing. So whether that was the infield coordinator, I loved it. I loved going back to the minor leagues, working with 18, 19-year-olds, you know, straight out of Dominican, 16-year-olds, like impacting these guys the second they got in. And I'm like teaching them the values that I want them to have when they're 23 in the big leagues, right? And so we had some awesome kids. Chris Taylor was in the organization, Brad Miller, um, some of these guys that are obviously really good now. And it's like, you know, had a chance to impact those guys from an early, literally the second they got into minor leagues. So that process was really cool. You know, I was like, no, my feet are, are planted firmly in the ground. I'm an infield quarter. I'm not trying to be a manager. I'm not trying to undermine anybody, anybody I'm trying to support the organization. Right. So when I got to the Dodgers, same thing. And I was like, I am the infield coach. I'm the third base coach. I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. While when I had extra time outside of my own responsibilities, I would never uh, undermine my own responsibilities. So I would never, you know, work on other things. I, you know, I have to study pitchers today. I have to study opposing hitters. Like all these things come first, and then I would, if I had extra time, I would go. You know, maybe study some things. philosophically like, if I was a manager, like there was a bunch of guys getting fired in that year, so I was like, all right, I don't, I don't know. Well, anyways, the, the the Yankee thing like came out of nowhere. Like I was on a field trip with my my he was eight at the time, I guess now or maybe younger than that. We, I was on a second grade field trip. <laughs> Right. And Andrew Friedman calls me and I'm like in the middle of on a bus with like, it was mayhem. I mean, I still have a headache. I feel like from that, because there's like screaming second graders and I'm the, you know, the chaperone, the dad just sitting there going, oh my God. I look at my phone. I'm like, Andrew Friedman. I'm like, I almost answered it just, just to mess with them. Just so like, oh, yeah. anything. Just screaming kids. Um, so I just text him back and said, I'll call you back. And so, you know, I call him back and my son's in the in the back seat after we got in the car. And he's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know the Yankees called, you know, and they want to interview you for manager. And I was like, What? Like, I didn't even know. I, I wasn't even paying attention to like who's I figured it was kind of down the road. I was like, I don't well, know.
0: Chris, all, all of a sudden you're like, hey, hey, everyone, shut up on this bus. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so,
1: I mean, it was just him and I, because I waited until we got off the bus, but I was gotcha, like, got gotcha. I, I was like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, when's this happening? And he goes, Yeah, they they probably they say they're gonna give you a week. So at that point, I was like frightened excited like didn't know oh. what to think of. I was like, okay like I, I thought it was over i was it was the off season now it, it was gone a little while like it, yeah. they had interviewed a bunch of other guys so I, I totally lost focus on where they were in their process um at that point i go home and I tell my wife she's all excited you know I tell some people and they're excited start calling around ask jack ask some people like for advice you know and i think the best piece of advice that i got uh, before i get into like what they actually asked was you know, be yourself, you know, and that's the only person I'm awful at trying to hide who I am. Like I'm awful at it. So I don't even try to be anybody else. I'm terrible. I can't like be phony. It just, it is what it is. it's like, here's it who I am. So honestly, like before going into that meeting, you know, I get to New York and I'm, I'm sitting in my hotel room going through all my notes and you know, my philosophies. And I'm like, I really want to make them it clear to them this is who I am. I don't want to go in there. You know, I didn't read anything about, I read about the organization a little bit, like some of their players, their top prospects. Labor Torres was like their number one guy and on all this. I was like, I knew some of their prospects. You know, Aaron Judge was one of the finest human beings on the planet. Is a guy that I would like hammer as far as like leadership stuff. Like this is the guy who does it right. Like we need everybody in the organization to that guy. Um, yeah. So those things I obviously did some research, but as far as like what they were looking for, I didn't, I, I stayed away from that. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get biased here and, and and have myself go a different route as far as like explaining who I am. So literally the first thing I told Cashman and the group, there was like seven or eight people in there. And you know, you're in this, you know, conference room in, in the Yankee stadium, you know, it's raining outside. And I'm just like, I told the group, I said, listen, first things first, I'm just here to tell you Everything that I say today, I'm telling you who I am. I'm not telling you who you, you know, I'm not telling you what you want to hear. I'm telling you who I am. So just so you know, I'm not trying to convince you guys of anything. I'm just telling you who I am, what I'm about, what my vision would be for this organization. And if it doesn't fit, I'm completely comfortable where I'm at. I don't, I don't need this job. I don't want, you know, I don't desire this. You know, it's, 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 it would be an unbelievable um, honor to you know, obviously, it's one of the greatest organizations in the history of sports, so it'd yeah. be an honor to, to, to you know, man that ship. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to sacrifice anything, I'm not going to you know, take away from anything that I am um, just for that job. But yeah, we sat in that room for a long time. We sat in that room for a long time, and they asked me a lot of questions. Um, I felt pretty prepared. What
0: were what, 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 what some like weird things that they asked you, like, really? They're asking that, like, where you left, you uh-huh. got back on the plane, and thinking- Really? Did we talk about that?
1: that I probably talked too much in those meetings, honestly. And, and it's funny because John Daniels in, in my text interview, like it was it went great, obviously, but like he pulled me aside after um, like one of the sessions, and this was probably about three quarters of the way through that day. And he's like, he's like, Hey Woody, I you know, I love your passion. And he goes, I just you can get a little bit wordy sometimes because I get so passionate about like yeah. things that yeah. you know. Just keep talking and talking and he goes just just take a breath sometimes he goes because we all feel your passion man we all feel how much you love it and wow. how much so he was coaching you during it he did. yeah, like i really appreciate that like you didn't have to do that but um yeah. you know the A.K. one it was you know they asked me my thoughts and you know my vision for the team and i can't remember exactly what i said but uh you know i was obviously very passionate about it but you know they, they would ask you a lot of hypotheticals a lot of uh you know if, if so a lot of cultural stuff to be honest with you, it was a lot of like so and so doesn't run a ball out, or, you know, so and so doesn't, you know, they give you a lot of hypotheticals and just how you would handle situations because that's what it comes down to. Like you're, you're having to lead a, a team and you're having to put out a lot of fires and everything's coming to
2: you. Right. What about the, the right. philosophies of of game, you know, game time decisions? You know, I mean, oh, not not know. As much. they did. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. The, the,
1: the, one of the guys who I really liked there was uh, in the Yankee interview was you know he gave me a lot of you know analytical hypotheticals. Hey, this is your team. What kind of lineup would you put up if this guy was hitting? it? you know, and so you know, kind of the jerk in me was like, well, there's a lot more that goes into it than just giving me numbers. You know, what I mean, what's this guy hitting for life? So I gave him a lot of like counter. I um, wanted more counter numbers to, to to be able to make a more informed decision. Um, so he's like, well, I can't give you those. So he's said, like, just go off of this, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was interesting. Um, I felt very comfortable because like I said, I, 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 didn't go in there thinking, okay, I have to nail this because I have to get this job. I was like, you know what? I right, yeah. tell him yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No. that that's so hard to do though. You, you, you mentioned the, the biggest thing and the thing that, you know, even from, from a broadcasting standpoint, once I got done playing, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had no idea what I was doing. And people, the really good people who I looked up to doing it say, Hey, just be yourself. But I'm like, I can't be myself because you have to act like you've been there before. You have to act like super pro. So I was all trying to be like, you know, a super, you know, super pro on TV. It just sounded like yeah. absolute rubbish. But in that situation, like, Hey, how would you handle this guy if he didn't run out of ball? Well, you know, the obvious answer is like, well, you know, I, I'm, he's, he's going to have to, there's, I'm gonna to have to basically discipline him, or, or whatever it may be. But you want to be able you want to be able to separate yourself somehow. So you have to. Kind of, I feel like I would get caught in that situation where I have to come up with some, you know, hocus pocus answer. Like, wow, we've never heard that's that problem.
2: before. <laughs> he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to answer to the judge. Yeah. So yeah. Problem, Six foot eight. <laughs> think, yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And and honestly, I did say that. I'm like, listen, if we have quality leadership on our team which yeah. I hope, you know, I'll make sure we do because I, I know what your current roster looks like. And yeah. here's some that I would talk to you to get ahead of it, to be proactive. Like some of these things I won't have to handle. If you have quality leadership on your team, on your roster, they'll handle that. And if they don't right away, then I can encourage them to do that and guide them and um, say, hey, this is a great opportunity to put your arm around them, explain to them why. You know what I mean? There's, there's It's not just about saying, hey, run the, run the effing ball out. Like, hey man, like put your arm around them and say, hey, here's why we do this. This is yeah. why we run the ball. This isn't just – we're not just – this isn't some penal thing where it's like we're doing it because baseball tells us to. Yeah. No, we're doing this because we're trying to set a
2: tone. We're trying to, you know, put pressure on that opposing team night yeah. in and night out. Give and an then, understanding as to why. Yeah. You run then, the ball out, you could be on second base as opposed to sitting in the dugout. Yeah. We're trying exactly. to win championships. There's that's totally what's going to – yeah, that's what's going to yeah. get us to the next level.
1: Yeah, and it's not even just about running the ball. It's like – if you run the ball out, that means you're you're not taking a pitch off. That means if you get the first base on an error, your focus is on, I'm stealing second base now. You're not frustrated that you just rolled over a ground ball to short. And, you know, yeah. you present these ideas to them all the time. And you're like, these are what – I'm telling you this because I've been a part of this game a long time. I've seen players in the game of a tie game, hit a ground ball to short, the guy misses it, and he's MFing himself at first base. He's pissed. And I'm like, what are you yeah. pissing? Me? You're on first base for your team. Regardless of how it happened, yeah, you're frustrated because you rolled over, but it's over. Now you got to focus yeah. on hey maybe this was a one six right now to home plate. I'm standing on second base, the winning run. So yeah. it's like getting back into that mode of team and saying okay, it is what it is. Whatever just happened happened. I'm in first base now. our responsibility is to get to second.
2: Uh, not everybody can do that.
1: I think hey, hey, so. You, you got okay. you got these
2: big names that you've just signed, obviously, and Corey and and uh, Marcus and you know like you said, John Gray. I mean, I was looking at the rotation. I feel like there's not a lot of experience in the rotation. But, you know, obviously haven't had a chance to, to um, you know, see the guys pitching more West Coast games, I suppose, as Ryan would. But to have a guy like John as some leadership role and who knows, you still got, you know, a lot more free agency to go. But just bringing in those big names, I think, I just remember playing, I'm just thinking, putting myself in those shoes. When you have those big names on your team, I think the game, and we all know the game is all about being confident. You go out there with confidence and you know, you've got these guys that are now on your team. They just, just spread and ooze confidence out of themselves because they know what they can do. They know what they're capable of. They've been there and done it. So not only are they, you know, now sharing all this with other players to make them better, better, but just knowing that you have those guys in your clubhouse and on your team, I think, just brings so much more confidence to the players, the organization, the whole thing. And And going out and spending that kind of money does sort of show, hey – we, we've told you we're about winning championships and we're not joking, you know, the new ownership sort of, they've, they've said it, look, here it is. And if you're not on that page, then you, you won't be here. So it, it probably, you know, has a lot of players sort of, you know, looking to step up this year.
0: Yeah,
1: no doubt. And it makes it easy for everybody. And I, and I think, you know, I said this earlier, but like when you're, when you, when the expectations get a little bit higher now, those, those smaller details and, and I want to be the best in the game at, at every small detail. Every you know, we as a staff, we take a lot of pride in that. Like I said, how we turn the bases, how we you know execute double plays, how we you know get off the ball, how we you know execute pitches, how we pick and hold runners, and all these little things that you know obviously add up to you winning a baseball game outside of just your talent. Um, Now they become obviously a lot more heightened because there's more focus on winning every day. And and I want to get our team to the point. The biggest focus is to go from hoping to win every day hoping things just kind of work out and we win to expecting to win every day. And I think with better players and with, um, you know, those guys that you can depend on, it's easier to do that. It's easier for our guys to actually believe, truly believe that we expect to win today. And I think that that just compounds every day. And and once you start to build that confidence as a group with a proper culture, with quality leadership internally, um, that's when it gets fun, man. That's when it gets exciting. I I wanted to... I wanted
2: to bring up the uh, – so with Joe Madden, we, we I got traded over there in 07 and 08, and Joe had been there for a couple of years. Very similar situation to where you're at. Uh, and we they had, what, lost 96 games, and you probably know this and maybe heard this, but he did come in to spring training and said, look, we might have lost this many games last year, but, you know, I'm seeing us as a championship team. I'm looking around here, seeing the players, and he just – he just gave confidence to the players. You know, he just, just the way he talked, and he, and he did come in with the nine equals eight. He tried to simplify it. He said, we need another 27 wins to get us to the playoffs. How, 27 sounds like such a big number. He tried to make that a lot smaller. Nine from the offense, nine from the defense, and nine from the pitching. And he said, if each, each of those categories in, in the game, we can get better at and just win nine games out of 162 games, nine more games in each of those categories, we will be in the playoffs. So it was the nine equals eight. And I thought it was a great philosophy for a team that really didn't have a lot of success. And then going into spring training, I think we won the grapefruit league, which no one cares about, but it was awesome for us because we had that winning way and we really built that wing. And then from there, it just took off. So I, I guess if there's, if you're able to share any philosophies that maybe you've thought about or talk to other managers about, if you wanted to share it, if not, I understand it, that might be something that you're going to say for the team, but.
1: No, I don't think there's, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, you know, rocket science, honestly, when it comes down to winning ballgames. And I, and I, and I kind of hit on some of those little things, but you know, we yeah. each department, I, I think each department we have, we try to improve. We try to have the best possible mentality you know with that group so you know on the pitching yeah. side we we've made a lot of adjustments you know Brendan Sagara uh, and Doug Mathis have done a phenomenal job like i said of tightening that up getting guys to truly believe when they walk through the door that they're going to improve not only improve that day but they're going to go out and compete their ass off and yeah. you know and, and Premium on, on execution, like, listen, we're been, they're geniuses when it comes to figuring out how to make our pitchers better, and our players know that. So we're talking about a year in on that. Our pitching department's gotten so much better, but it's going to continually improve, and our players want to improve. You look at the, the hitting, we just added Donnie Ecker and Tim Hires and obviously a couple of really good hitters, two or three really good hitters. So um, that's obviously going to improve. So you talk about each part. We were one of the better defensive teams last year. Even with 102 losses, like we had the best outfield defense in all of baseball, um, our infielders played really good. So you you now inserted two two of the best up the middle, um, including with our, our outfield defense. So there's there's a lot of factors. We've been really aggressive on the bases, and and I think at the end of the day, you put all these things together, and you start to there are some pieces that were were good. We were a good base running team. We were a good defensive team. You know, we didn't hit. Um, our pitching was young. It was inexperienced. We had some good moments. But you start to put all these pieces together, like you said, and it's, it's not insurmountable to go from, you know, a yeah. 102 loss team to a 95 win team. Like yeah. we just have to make sure we're consistent every day. We have to make sure that we're doing the right things every day and we're relentless in doing that. Um, the beautiful thing, and this is what I'm eternally grateful for, is that going through that difficulty the last two years, especially last year, it forced us to place emphasis on every little detail because that was our only chance to win a game. And so now it's like, I don't want to have a great team with a great roster and then be complacent and take things for granted because now you're in the underachieving team that's, you know, Hey, you're talented, but you don't win enough games. I, I always look at it like, Hey, I want to win game seven of a world series. How are we going to beat the best in the league? You have to be on point in everything that you do. You have to prepare well, you have to sleep well, you have to eat well, like you have to cross all these things out to say, okay, I've done everything that I possibly can do. So you talk talking about philosophy. Like when you, now when you sign two guys at that stature, like, and John Gray is all in, he's like, you can't wait to, to get started. This guy's obsessed with like, you know, but he, he knows he can be a much better pitcher than he has been. Cause he's super talented. I mean, all these guys were pushing all in. So now they're going to hold the, the prospects that are coming up. The guys that were, are that were currently on our team, Um, last year and the year before that I've learned through this system. It's not surprising. Listen, my expectations are always to win a world series until the last day when we haven't, that's going to be my, you know, we have obviously objectively, like, you know, you look at our team and you're like, okay, there's, here's some predictions. Here's some projections. You know, I, I I love that. And I I want some objective data as far as, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. I want to blow those out of the water. I want to blow, I want every player to blow their projections out of the water because that's, you know, that's a, it's a good test. It's like, Hey, put a chip on your shoulder. This is what the projections are telling you that you're going to be next year. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to listen to that and say, okay, well, that's me. Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to try to improve upon that. I'm going to be better than those projections say.
0: Well, yeah, I think the no, – I cover the Mariners too. This lockout, man, you see, you're probably sitting here, you're like, man, we just got two of the best players in the game. We're, we've got a brand-new stadium. This is a good time to be a Rangers fan you know, and obviously be in a Texas Rangers uniform. You sit there going, all right, let's get this thing figured out so we can get back to business. I mean, it must be so frustrating right now with this lockout. I, I couldn't imagine your seat. It is. But, listen,
1: I mean, everything that we've been through the last couple of years, you know, with, with COVID and You know, I think 2020 was you know probably one of the tougher years uh, for a lot of people. You know, obviously with COVID, you know, affecting so many people, but also the you know social injustice um, issues that we had that year. You know, there was a lot of you know a lot of things outside of baseball that you know we had to tackle. That I had to help players along, staff along with. Um, So I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that because that that presented a lot of difficulty in all of our faces, and we got through it. You know, we lost, like I said, we lost last year, but, you know, we never sacrificed our culture. You know, guys tell me all the time, like, you know, when they walk through those doors, you know, especially newer players that had never been a part of it, they're like, I would have never known you guys had lost that many games because the, the culture was good. The, the belief in the clubhouse was good. They were working, they were grinding, they were playing hard. You know, they came up short every day, but it was like, clearly we knew we had to improve in a lot of areas, but we kept pushing um, all the way to the very end. And one, one game I'm really proud of is we lost 100th game the very next day. Um, you know, it sucks to lose yeah. triple digit. We hadn't done that since a long, uh, for a long time as an organization. It was, you know, I took it personally, and I'm like, that's on me. That's on, you know, all of us. But, you know, I took it pretty hard. And You know, but the next day the team, we fell, we fell down like five, five runs or something in the second or third inning, and yeah. we just lost our 100th game. And there's only a couple games left in the season. And the guys never quit, man. They came back and won that. They came back and and, and won a game that they were down by, you know, six runs, you know, after losing the 100 games. So I I told the team after, because we always celebrated our wins, you know, and we're going to continue to do that however we choose. Um, But I told them, it's really hard to win a major league game, so we're going to celebrate every damn one of them. Um, Regardless of whether you win 50 of them or 115 of them, we're going to celebrate every one. Um, But I told the team I was really proud of them because we could have easily packed it in. But the two yeah. characters showed up and said, you guys didn't quit, man. You guys lost your hundred game last night, but came back and fought your asses off tonight to come back and win. And, um, really proud moment, especially as a manager, to see your team not quit yeah. when they easily, when most teams would have. Um, but we got some. I and mean, listen, I, like I said, it's, I want the expectations. I'm starving for them. I want our guys to embrace that. I want them to say, hey, you know what, let's, let's, let's get good enough to where we can take the best on, stare them right in the face and punch them in the mouth and win. Uh, that's that's my vision for this team, and um, we got guys on board that want that.
0: Hey, we, we we have we have about a minute thirty left on this free Zoom for the second round, so I will I will finish with this, my man. Um, A big shout out to Ryan Flynn. He he runs Baseball New Zealand. He did, and he brought you on in uh, in a New Zealand uniform. You first, I think it was your first crack at managing. I swear, I, yeah. I I yeah. nearly shunned you for life. Dude. I was like, oh, what are, he's done. He's dead to me. How dare he wear that New Zealand uniform? we playing against you. I ran into you in Sydney. but it was so, I'm just messing okay. around. It's so good to see you. Um, down there in, in sydney and and uh, at, at that point i obviously didn't know you would going to be a, a big league manager so i was so happy for you dude um from from you know catching up with you even though i was a little bit in shock seeing you in that uni um but dude this has been so much fun man i we wish you all the best 2022 it's going to be so fun to watch the texas rangers i get to see you guys a ton because i'm covering the mariners so uh it's going to be a lot of fun Man, i can't wait
1: i appreciate it thanks for having me on guys i love talking to you guys
2: yeah, yeah, thanks we, very much, mate. Thanks for your time and good luck this year. Appreciate it.
0: So, I told you, I told you, Grant, was an absolute legend. I, I did say yeah. this. I, I'm glad I brought it up to him. When I saw him in that Kiwi uniform, that New Zealand uniform, I was like, I'm done with this dude. I'm glad I slipped that in. We're running out of time. We oh, kept yeah, him for nah. a long time, man. He's a good yeah, dude. He
2: wasn't, wasn't in the green and gold. He was in the black and white, mate. It's hard to see, but um, <laughs> yeah, obviously he got an opportunity there. And like I said, probably first managing gig. So, um, I think it was. Exciting for him, yeah, yeah. But um, he's he's sitting at the helm, mate, for the for the Rangers, and um, it was great listening to him. Great to get an insight on the Texas Rangers, the whole uh, you know part of his career, and just the you know obviously uh, the process of getting to where he's got to. My
0: favorite part, my favorite part of it was when he talked about there has to be more, and I'm not saying this because I'm an ex-player. I I I wholeheartedly agree. You you have to have more. But you do, you have to have more players ah, in the game, man. You can't have this. Nah, for sure. Look at look at players as experience, as a, mate.
2: As, you got to have that experience. Yeah, hands on experience. Hundred
0: percent. They're not commodity. It's not something where you're looking at them like like objective. You have to look at them and say, listen, yeah. what does this guy do? I love the fact he also mentioned too some of the players that some of these big free agents. He just went, no, no. He didn't give us names. I wasn't even going to ask him, but he yeah. basically said, no, no, because he watches and sees them take a take a pitch off. You know, playing over at third base or whatever, just take a pitch off or whatever, not be like dialed in. I just I love hearing that. It's refreshing, especially when you have a guy like that who's just they have just you think about it, man. It's not easy. You've got 29 other teams or, or a big handful of the Yankees and the Dodgers, and whoever else. Corey Seeger, yeah. one of the biggest free agents, he's going to your team, man. Like that's yeah, that's massive to win win the hearts, basically. <laughs> these yeah, dudes, yeah. That's nuts when you think about it. Yeah.
2: No, nah, for sure, man. I mean, obviously, they, nah, they, they they've got uh, two guys there that fitted the mold for them, and they were the top two guys on his list, and and he's got them. So I mean, he couldn't be any happier. Um, and they and then that's going to spread throughout the organization. Um, they got guys, you know, there's there's younger guys they look up to those those guys like 100%. that, and and they're going to mold themselves on that. So that's what he's looking for. Uh, not only will he have those two guys, and he's going to have several others like that, because they want to be like a Corey Seago, they want to be like a Marcus Samian. So he's putting the right people in place, and it looks like you know they're they're in good shape, mate, and they're on they're on the way to, to do some good things.
0: And you got to deal with Scott Boris too, man. And that, nothing against him. I mean, oh, the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he he's the best at what he does, and I'm not saying oh you got to deal with him like he's he's a dickhead. I'm saying he's tough. <laughs> Can you imagine? He said, "Oh, just the three of us sitting in that room. You got you got Corey Seager, Scott Boris, and him. Boris would be. Could you imagine him in those meetings? Like it would just be. Yeah. It, would it could be, be
2: intimidating, like, no doubt. But top. like you said, he, he stays true to himself. He stays to to his beliefs. Yeah, and uh, I think that's what gets him through those things. You know, it's I'm like gonna this ask is you this, it, mate.
0: I do have to ask you this. He goes, Oh, you know, going into that Yankees um, to, to be the manager of that interview, I'm, you just got to be yourself. I'm sitting there like, dude, I would sit there and try and be friggin' like the biggest pro's pro, not myself. If I walked in there as just myself, like a clown on this podcast, that meeting yeah. would mean for the last five minutes and like, Yeah, thanks, thanks, champion. Beat it.
2: <laughs> he's <laughs> a plane ticket. It's early. It's been moved oh, up. Hang on. <laughs> plane ticket, you'd be on the subway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's your rental car. Go. <laughs> See later, back to the West Coast. I would yeah. have. It's just so funny. It's easy said than done, but I'm sure he na- obviously nailed it with the Texas Rangers. But yeah. man, like I just couldn't imagine how intimidating You're at Yankee Stadium. He kind of set the scene a little bit, but just such such a good time, man. Chatting to him, we're gonna have him back on again for sure.
2: Yeah, he, he was great, and uh, obviously a lot of passion for the game, uh, from playing to coaching to whatever role he takes on. So yeah, yeah. really awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, we've got a big show next week. We've got Tyler Mastic joining us. I can't wait to talk to that dude. Cannot wait. There's just so many things. We won't have enough time. I think to cram all, I've already started writing notes. I can't wait, but we've had Woody. We're going to have Tyler. We've got even more guests coming on. I don't want to give too much away, but big year 2022 as we come out of this lockout, I'm hoping so, but uh, Grant, all the best, mate. Hey, you've got to run off and do your cameos, don't you?
2: Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, they're just lined up down the street. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, I did have I did have a couple before we jumped on, before I jumped oh, really? on the viewer. I did have one. Dude, one guy, and big shout out if he listens to the show, says he does. His name was spelt L A F E Lafe Leif, or laugh. I, oh yeah. Laugh. I I, I, I <laughs> so I'm sitting there, It took me days to knock out this cameo because I wanted to do it really well, but I didn't want to butcher the name. So I'm asking, yeah. I'm doing my research, I'm asking how do you pronounce
2: his name? <laughs> oh wow. No, that's yeah. tough. That is yeah. tough when you, you get one of those, but, uh, yeah. just, just ask Alexa, mate, she'll tell you. Yeah.
0: She had nothing for me. I'm like, you're not helping me at all. Come on, let's go. But, uh, uh cameos are the i i do enjoy doing the cameos they're a blast i get some really yeah. fun requests if you do want to get grant or myself on cameo you can get a, get a personalized message whether it's for your birthday christmas australia day which is coming up whatever you want grant i know yep. you go hard with them too mate you're, you're good at
2: them um, i will say go on the website and and sign up don't do it through apple do it through the website go through the the cameo website it's uh, it's a it's the way to go way to go It's uh-huh. it's uh, Apple, Apple's trying to take their bite out of it no pun uh-huh. intended but uh, yeah go through the website <laughs> if, you're, if you're interested in, in a cameo I
0: might have to can I get can I get, a, can I get a mates rates like, uh, mates oh, rates yeah, cameo? yeah yeah
2: yeah for sure mate
0: give us a free one mate
2: yeah yeah I'll give you a freebie buy oh, one mate. get one buy go uh,
0: yeah we, we've got Smoko coming up mate go have your Smoko break and we'll see you next yeah. week alright mate. mate see, see you oh, later mate see you champ.